Good morning, everyone. Well, I sound loud, so I'm guessing you can all hear me clearly. Great job with the sound, everyone. Um, I'd like to start this morning by asking you a question. Let's imagine that today, this very day, that God is going to come and visit you and he's going to ask you a question. He's going to say to you, ask me for whatever you would like and I will give it to you. Think about that for a second. God comes to you and asks you, ask me for anything that you would like and I will give it to you. What would you ask him for? Money. Money. Who said that? (laughs) Thank you, Esther. Thank you for being brave. Anybody else want to shout out what they would ask God for? Yeah. For a closer relationship with him. Brilliant. Thank you, Raphael. (laughs) So we've got money, a closer relationship with God. Anything else? Peace or peas? Peace. Peace. Yeah, we'll go with peace. It reminds me of that bridge, remember, over the M25, give peas a chance. I just couldn't bring to mind there. So, this question and this event actually happened in Scripture. Happened in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 3, where God came to Solomon the son of David, in a dream, and asked him that very question. God asked Solomon what he would like to receive from him. And of course, as many of you will know, Solomon asked God for for wisdom, for a discerning heart that he might be able to govern the people well. And God was so happy that Solomon had asked him for that instead of wealth, riches or long life that God said actually I'm going to give you wisdom and everything else as well and Solomon is the guy who wrote most of the book of Proverbs and the book of Proverbs is the book that we're going to be looking at as a church over the next month so different aspects of the book of Proverbs and today we are starting with like the foundation, really, the thing that Proverbs is best known for, which is wisdom. So Proverbs is one of the five wisdom books in the Old Testament. So you've got Proverbs, you've got Psalms, you've got Song of Songs, you've got Ecclesiastes and Job, which are known as the wisdom books. And Proverbs is well known for its wisdom. So before we look a little bit more at Proverbs itself, let's look at the kind of wisdom that God gave to Solomon, which is in 1 Kings chapter 4, verses 29 to 34. I'll just read that so you get a sense of the kind of guy we're talking about who wrote most of the book of Proverbs. So it says here, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 29, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan the Ezrahite, 
wiser than Heman, Kalkol, and Dada, the sons of Mahol, and his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He described plant life, from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of walls. He, il- he also taught about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So this guy's wisdom is unsurpassed because God has given him the wisdom that he'd asked for. Now, it's, it's, like, it's like an extreme David Attenborough, can you, isn't it? Plants and everything else on top. And his fame spread and people came and, and sought his advice. Now, Proverbs, for me personally, is a very special book. For, for years now, I have been reading a chapter of Proverbs every day. It's part of my daily routine. First thing in the morning, I get up and I will read a chapter of Proverbs a day. 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, so you read a chapter a day, and in a month you've read the whole book. And I've been doing that for years. And it's really an integral part of what I do every day. It's just become a habit. It doesn't mean that I understand the book, of course. No, far from it. I still find it very challenging. It's mystifying, but it's encouraging and it's inspiring. But yeah, I've, I've, I'll never figure it all out. So, but you might wonder, well, how did I start reading that book and why do I read it every day? Well, a few years ago, I was at a real, I had a bit of a crisis of faith. I was at a, spirit, a spiritual low point. I said, nothing was going, nothing was going well for me. Like my prayers weren't being answered. I felt God was distant. I was like, God, where are you? Why, why is nothing going well for me? And during that season, I was dragged along to a church conference. Didn't want to go. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not even sure if this is real anymore. You know, I, I really don't, I'm just, no, had enough of it. Nothing's working out for me. Dragged along to this church conference. And that evening I was there. There was a guy speaking, a guy called Gerard Cooper, who I didn't know at the time, but apparently he's quite a well-known worship leader and, and a, a pastor. 600 people in this hall, one of whom was, was me, sitting in the middle of the, of the congregation. He gets up, he's about to start talking, and he, he begins his preach. And then he stops talking, gets off the stage, walks down the aisle, and I'm sitting on an aisle seat. He comes up to me, singles me out, puts his hand on my shoulder and prays for me out loud, kind of mirroring what I was feeling in my heart at that very moment. I was like, wow, okay, okay, God, you got my attention. Okay, okay, so, so okay, maybe you are still there, maybe you are hearing me. And when Gerard Cooper started to preach, he mentioned a guy called Steve, who was one of his best friends, and he said that he feels strong around his best friend Steve. I thought, well, crikey, this Gerard Cooper's hearing from God because he could, could kind of read what was in my heart and pray for me so powerfully. Who's his friend who he gets strength from? He says, I like my friend because I feel strong around him. He got his friend Steve up to talk, and his friend Steve talked about where he gets his own strength from, and it was from the book of Proverbs, because Steve himself has been reading a chapter of Proverbs every day, every morning, and I thought, I want to get me some of that. So I started doing it. So that's how I started reading it and why I started reading the book of Proverbs. I found out afterwards that Billy Graham used to do the same thing. But Billy Graham, being you know, holier than, than most people, he would also read five psalms a day. So 150 psalms, 
31 Proverbs. So in a month, if you do that, you've read the whole of the book of Psalms, the whole of the book of Proverbs. So I'm not at Billy Graham's level, but I can, I can handle the, Pro- the Proverbs part of it. So that's how I started it, and I, and I continue with that, and I always, I always will do. Um, so Proverbs, as we mentioned, is a book fundamentally about wisdom. But what is wisdom? It could be described as knowledge, sound judgment, the ability to make the right decision at the right time. But do you, can you think of anyone who you know personally or in the public eye who might be wise, who you would consider to be a wise person? I've got a few images of some people. You may recognise some of them. So if we could look at the first one, Chris. So here we've got the ancient Chinese philosopher Confucius, who's considered to be a wise person, is he? He famously said, choose a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. He's the guy who said that. Considered to be quite a wise person in Chinese culture. If we have the next one, Chris. William Shakespeare. As we all know, the greatest playwright who ever lived. Was he wise? He seems to have a lot of insight into how people think and reason and how they behave. In As You Like It, he said that the, wise, the, the fool thinks he's wise... And yet the wise person knows himself to be a fool, which is actually quite insightful, as we'll come along to. Next one, please, Chris. Albert Einstein. Smart guy. Was he wise? He said that there are two ways to look at life. One, nothing's a miracle. Or two, everything's a miracle. Interesting thought. Next one, please, Chris. Her Majesty, longest, save, longest serving monarch. Seems like she hasn't put a foot wrong in all, her, in all her time on the throne. Maybe in private she has, or she's human like, like all of us, but is she, a wise, is she a wise leader? Is she a wise monarch? Next one, please, Chris. Serena Vagman, manager of the lionesses. Is she wise? She's a good manager. One thing that struck out to me in an, in an interview that she gave recently, she was asked, you know, what's the secret of your, of your success with your team? And as we all know, the Lionesses, if, if you missed it, are the European champions. And she said that when her, her and her team agree on something, they make a plan of action, it's not just words. They actually put those words into action. So it's very much, very much an active following of what they agree, agree on. So next one, please, Chris. Come on, you Trekkies out there, Jean-Luc Picard, for me, is the wisest of all the Starfleet captains. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. He makes a lot of smart decisions, sometimes at his own cost. Um, But, bit of fun, but he's quite a cool dude, he's got a great hairstyle as well. So, Jean-Luc Picard, for me, the wisest captain of all Starfleet. And the next one, please. Now these guys, I'm not going to ask you if you think they're wise or not, Rishi Sunak, Liz Truss, but I, am, I have put it up there because I think it's important that we remember to pray for these guys, that God gives them wisdom, because we are going to need a prime minister who, who has got wisdom to, to govern us and navigate through the very difficult decisions that are going to have to be made um, over, the, over the coming seasons that we'll be faced as a nation. So do remember them in your prayers. So a definition of wisdom that I heard... Um, 
uh, another conference by a guy called, called Rob Thompson described wisdom as this. He said, you will never face a more important question than this. What do I do next? What do I do next? As being a key question in life. And he described wisdom as being the ability to reduce the amount of time between the question and the answer. So the quicker you can work out what to do, the better in the right way, the wiser you are. That was his definition. But what does scripture say about the wisdom that comes from the Lord? In James 3.17, James writes, the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. There's quite a lot there. So it's more than just being smart. It says here that the wisdom of heaven is pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That's quite a lot, isn't it? Quite a lot of aspects there. Peace-loving, considerate, submissive. So submissive is, is an interesting one because we're going to come on to humility shortly. But if we look now at the book of Proverbs itself, I'll read the opening seven verses of the book of Proverbs where it describes here what the book of Proverbs is about and what it's for. So Proverbs 1, I'm reading all these from the NIV today. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Key thing from this opening that I'm going to just touch upon is the fear of the Lord being the beginning of knowledge. I think the fear of the Lord may be something that we come across in subsequent weeks as well. But I think as we're starting with the beginning of Proverbs, it's important that we touch upon what the beginning of wisdom is, which is the fear of the Lord. So I've got things broken down really into three areas about wisdom. So wisdom is found in a relationship with God. Wisdom is found in humility and wisdom is found in Jesus So if we look at the first point, uh, the next slide, please, Chris. Thank you. Wisdom is found in relationship with God. And I've broken this down into four areas, really. So awe, intimacy, hunger and trust. So if we recap that Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. So this is the beginning of it, the fear of the Lord. Fear here, not in the sense of being scared of the Lord or terrified, frightened that you're running away from God. Fear here as being a reverence, a deep respect, an admiration, a real, almost like you just, you're just so dazzled and amazed and you're filled with reverent awe for the Lord. That is the beginning of, of, of wisdom, because God, when I was preparing for this, actually, I, I was doing a walk. I was walking um, 
I think I was walking back from Sainsbury's or something, and I was just thinking about this in my, in my mind. And I really felt in my spirit that the Lord, because I said, Lord, what, I'm, not, what, I'm not wise. How do I even talk about wisdom? Yeah, I look at Proverbs a lot, but it doesn't mean that, that, I'm, that I'm wise. How do I even begin to talk about wisdom? And I really felt in my spirit, God said to me, I am wisdom. I is in God, not, not me. I am wisdom. And I thought, wow, that really just, just kind of, that leveled it for me. And I was like, yeah, you are wisdom. So, it, so then that, got re, that revelation came that wisdom can only be found in a relationship with God. Outside of the relationship with God, you will not have wisdom. And it starts with fearing the Lord and intimacy. So if you have a relationship with God, which is intimate, Psalm 25, 14, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. So fearing the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And if you fear the Lord, he will confide in you. So if I confide in you, what does that mean? It means that I tell you what I'm thinking, what I'm planning, what I'm feeling. I will share things with you. So if you have a fear of the Lord, he will share things with you. He will reveal things to you. He will confide in you. And again, with, alongside it with intimacy, Proverbs thirteen twenty, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, there's a saying that you can judge a person by the company they keep. So who are you hanging around with? Are their habits rubbing off on you? In Proverbs 27, 17, it says that as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So we do rub off on each other. The people we hang around with, the people that we're in relationship with, they do, they do influence us. So if we're walking alongside the Lord, his wisdom is going to rub off on us. And hunger, so having an appetite. Proverbs 2, 3, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Again, crying out for it. Crying out for insight and understanding. Searching for it like it was a treasure. And again, it comes back to the fear of the Lord. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord. So ask God. Cry out for it. How hungry are you for wisdom? How hungry are you? And in James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. So if you want wisdom, ask God for it. And when you ask God for it, believe that you you will get it. Because it says here, you must believe and not doubt. So believe, believe, believe. Take God at his word. If God says, God's not a liar. If he says this, it's true. You just have to believe it. Which comes down to trust. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So it's trusting the Lord. Trusting him, leaning on him and not your own understanding, not your own wisdom, because our own wisdom is flawed. It's not, it, we need the wisdom that comes from God, and we'll get it if we, ask him, if we ask him for it, and if we fear him and we have a relationship with him and we walk alongside him. So in a nutshell, the more you walk with God, the more you trust him, the more you hunger for him, the more you become in awe of him, 
the wiser you become. I'll repeat that. The more you walk with God, the more you trust him, the more you hunger for him, the more you become in awe of him, the wiser you become. So, this is the, so that's the end of wisdom is found in relationship with God. We're going to move on to the next one now, please, Chris. Wisdom is found in humility. And nobody likes to know it all, do they? Someone who thinks they've got all the answers. Do you know anyone like that? Someone who's so smug. You know, don't, don't, don't need to know any more. Yeah, I know more. I know more. I'm the smartest person in the room. They always say that. If you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. They always say that, don't they? You know, it, some of you know here, I, I, love, I love sport. I love, I love tennis. And the, the, be, the best sports people, the Grand Slam champions, even if they've won so many titles and trophies, they're still trying to improve their backhands and their techniques. They're getting coaches, different coaches. Trying, they're, trying to imp- they're trying to get better and better. You never hear them say, oh, yeah, I've won, I've won Grand Slams. I, I'm, I'm, I'm it. That's it. They're always, they're always seeking to improve. So there is a humility there. If you want to get better, you've got to be humble. You've got to stay teachable. And there is the saying, isn't there, that where the wisdom of, the wisdom of man ends, where the foolishness of God begins... So Proverbs 3, 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. See how fear the Lord again comes out. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't be arrogant. And Proverbs 26, 12, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There is more hope than for a fool than for him. Some quite clear, some quite clear criticisms here of, of being wise in your own eyes. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And Proverbs 22, 4, humility and fear of the Lord bring wealth and honour and life. What's mentioned there again? Fear of the Lord. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So it all links up. So so you can't be a know-it-all. When you, when you know how much you need God, that keeps you humble. Knowing how utterly hopeless and desperate we all are without him. Which, you, again, if we remember to fear him and we stay in awe of him and we walk alongside him, that'll keep us humble. And the last one, please, Chris. Wisdom is found in Jesus. Now, as we know, all of scripture points to Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. Throughout scripture, Jesus is at the heart of all of it. And Proverbs is no exception. There are some verses in Proverbs which speak about creation, how wisdom was central to the creation of of the world. And if we start looking at this section here through the opening of the book of John, John 1, verses 1 to 3. Powerful, beautiful, famous verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him him, all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Consider that for a second. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Nothing. So when we look at Genesis 1.1, the very beginning of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Jesus was there. 
very much present because nothing was made that has been made and in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God so he was right there at the very beginning Proverbs 3 19 to 20 by wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations by understanding he set the heavens in place by his knowledge the deeps were divided and the clouds let drop the dew Jesus is the embodiment of perfect wisdom if you were to look at all the proverbs in the book you think wow who could ever who could ever live up to that who could who could live their life in in that way to be so morally perfect and conduct themselves in a way which is so upright and so perfect well none of us but jesus is the embodiment of the one who did the one who can the one who does he is the embodiment of wisdom and Proverbs eight twenty seven to 31. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundaries so that the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world. And delighting in mankind. So imagine, before the beginning of time, Jesus was there. Before anything was created, Jesus was there. And without Jesus, nothing would have been created, because everything that has been made has been made through him. Doesn't that make you just, doesn't that give you a sense of awe for Jesus and reverence? You think, wow. And if you're feeling that sense of awe, then that's the beginning of wisdom. So all scripture points to Jesus. All the way from Genesis in the beginning was the word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All the way to Revelation, where Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the last, the first and the end. So he is is wisdom. He is the embodiment of perfect wisdom. And if there's one way of taking all of this away that you can just leave here today, I'd encourage you to look at Proverbs as we are going to be looking at it in more detail over the next few weeks in the church. But the final slide, please, Chris. No God, no wisdom. No God, no wisdom. Because it all starts with fearing the Lord and having a relationship with him. So I'm going to invite the band back up just to lead us in a closing song, if there are any band members in in the room. If not, we'll do an a cappella, I guess. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Thanks, Paul. So I'm just going to pray before, um, before we close. So, Lord, thank you that you are wisdom. Thank you, Lord, that if we do cry out for insight and we cry aloud for understanding, that you will give it to us, Lord, if we believe. Lord, thank you for what you show us, Lord, for what you reveal to us. Lord, I pray that we would all leave here today with a a deeper sense of reverence and awe and fearing you, Lord, with that deep respect, which is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, Lord. Father, I pray that you would just reveal yourself more and more to us, Lord, that our hearts would stay humble before you, 
that we wouldn't be wise in our own eyes, Lord, that we would look to you for our wisdom as being our source. And Lord, we thank you for, for you, Lord, for, for the ultimate wisdom that you, that you give and, and, and for who you are, Lord Jesus. In your holy name we pray. Amen.